I'm Red Robinson, and these are the Legends of Rock. The Righteous Brothers' Blue-Eyed Soul topped the charts in the mid-60s. I asked Bill Medley and Bobby Hatfield about their friendship and their music. Yeah, it's just uh, difficult, especially uh, when we first started. We had uh, young, you know, our, our children were real young, and we didn't really get a chance to watch them grow up. And uh, But it was easy to stay friends because we... We joke around a lot. We like a lot of the same things, you know, sports and all that stuff. So it, 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 that really does help. The music business is demanding on uh, on people, and they don't realize it. And that's why I asked that because a lot of people say, "Well, you know, how come the acts don't go on?" I mean, the Beatles broke up to get married. You go down a different road in life. Even Don and Phil, who I've known for twenty years, I mean, they were in show business. They were little kids, so. Uh, you know, the public doesn't understand that sometimes. It's so demanding upon you. Looking at your music, though, and that's what I wanted to talk to both of you about, how does it feel to have a, a standard like you've lost that love and feeling? And maybe you could tell us that story about going to the movie Top Gun. But just to set that up, you've lost that love and feeling statistically, as appeared the song, four times in the top 20. Once with yourself, Dionne Warwick, uh, again with the Hall & Oates, and uh, Long John Baldry, who lives here. Uh-huh. Now, that must do something for you to, to say that you you put out something that's permanent in the music of North America. We at least know it's a good record. I mean, it was definitely a good song and all that. Uh, uh, I'll never forget, we worked uh, at a little club and the Rivingtons were there. Remember that? Went oh, in to gee. see the Rivingtons. Papa Moo Mama. Yeah. <clears throat> they didn't have a bunch of hits, but they're a bunch of really neat guys, and they said, I'll never forget the statement the guy said. He said, you realize what you've lost that love and feeling? And he was totally serious. You two can work for the rest of your lives. <laughs> it's true, though. It gave yeah, us the shakes. Yeah. <laughs> God, we got to work the rest of our life. Yeah. <laughs> Holy moly. That's nice uh, from the standpoint of it. As obviously, like you, like you mentioned, it's been a hit so many times, so it's... It's going to be around probably long after we're gone. Yeah, I would I would bet that it's going to be a hit a couple of couple of more times. The great, real great thing about having that kind of a record is that we really never get tired of singing it. It is a great song. Barry and uh, Cynthia Mann wrote it, and it's just a great song. Uh, I think Paul Anka told uh, uh, Sammy Davis Jr. once he says, the good thing about having a hit with Candy man, is you're going to get some more work. The bad news is you have to do it the rest of your life. <laughs> but there was a story. You're in Vegas recently. You go into a movie theater to see uh, Top Gun. What what happened there? You're, you're watching the movie, and all of a sudden you discover something. Actually, we we still haven't seen the movie. No. What our my son, uh, who's 16 years old, came home and he said, "Dad, you're happening." I said, what do you mean I'm happy? That's good. He said, I went to see this movie called Top Gun last night. And oddly enough, Bill and I have never even received a letter of authorization Nothing. or anything from Paramount Pictures. Didn't know it was in there. So we didn't know it was in there. We found out it was in there and we uh, contacted Paramount Pictures and we opened our Las Vegas show with that little maybe minute and a half film clip of him oh, sauntering up to the bar because we, uh, we had about a 10 minute break in between us and Paul Revere and the Raiders, so uh, we put that little film clip in there, and uh, it was an enjoyable mm -hmm. and uh, entertaining way to open the show, but we haven't seen it. No, somebody ought to talk great. to somebody, though. I mean, should I we need, don't well, get we, a, a dollar or something well, we need for this? Money. Yeah, and we do need money. You know. <laughs> well, with, with the material you write, a lot of the performers I talk to, that's where it's really made in the shade, too. Record companies, uh, without getting into that whole thing, uh, back in the, uh, in the late 50s and early 60s, 
some of the artists never got the royalties, and I'm not going down <clears> that road, but for sure the guys that wrote the songs are the ones that seem to be healthier as the years go by. And the publishers. Yeah, yeah, especially, yeah, publishing is, is wonderful. The, the guys that, and I don't even know if any of them did, now they do, you know, they hold on to half of their publishing and this and that, and that's, that is, without question, you know, your retirement. Uh, we wrote a lot of, you know, our early stuff, and uh, we haven't, we haven't seen, uh, you know, any of that money. We didn't write anything that became like love and feeling, but, you know, Loopy Lou and My Babe and those songs, and uh, so, yeah, it, it did get a little crazy there when before uh, the entertainers really figured out, you know, what was going down. These guys were stealing their money. Bill, you still record because I'm aware of, of your uh, records in the country field. I did a country music show for a lot of years, uh, morning radio. And uh, but Bob, what you know? What are you doing, record? Gardening, gardening, man. <laughs> no, but other than touring, you don't country, record country together. gardening. <laughs> yeah, right. very, very hot in the West. But, but other than that, you don't record together anymore, or are you going to? Or anymore? we might do something next year. Will be our 25th anniversary, so we might do some kind of a silver anniversary deal. And uh, if we do it, we've had discussions about. It. If we do it, we're going to do it where we have. Total control. I mean, right now all of our masters are with Polydor Records, and uh, we know how expensive that would be to ask them even to go into a partnership right. deal with us. So we're going to mm -hmm. possibly go in and maybe do. Uh, we own a couple of clubs in Southern California. We might do one one side live, and then we might go in and re-record some of our hit records, so we have some control over them. And uh, kind of the mail order. Yeah. You know, right. Call direct. Big. Call directly. Bill's house before seven a.m. They call me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right. Let me jot <laughs> that down. <before laughs> Look at the number on the screen. Yeah, yeah. Right. Call collect. Yeah. But you know, of all of the people that I've interviewed over the years, you two are among a very select group. You're class guys. You have a class act. You are professionals. You care when you go out there and do your performance. I appreciated it today watching you out there performing. Uh, I think there's an attitude by some, without getting into any names, that, uh, hey, we've done this over and over and over again. But you two seem to respond to the audience reaction to your material. So it doesn't seem like it's you're doing it just because you have to. No, we, we, no we, we really enjoy it. We, we uh, love the, the songs that we're doing. We, you know, we love everything about it. I suppose, you know, maybe, you know, breaking up in, you know, in 68 and this and that, Probably has helped, you know. It's uh, it's like taking separate vacations, uh, you know. But uh, that seems to have uh, uh, helped us and kind of helped the. Uh, uh, it's kind of kept the audiences, you know, still coming. I mean, we didn't burn ourselves out. We didn't. We were never, uh, you know, like uh, worn out. We're singing no. pretty good too. That's yes. That's, that's a big. Plus, yeah, yeah. we've seen some of our buddies, you know, that we, you know, shindig buddies and so on. That, uh, and again, like you, I won't mention any names, but have no chops. No. But they're still out there making a buck, and that's that is kind of that gets to a point of that's a ripoff. That, that would be real tough for us yeah, to do because be. if our voices went, we certainly wouldn't be here Perform. doing our songs. And because uh, if we're not satisfied, then the audience is not going to be happy. You obviously set a standard. I guess that's the best way of me putting it because when I watch you up there and you, you kidded Bobby about it's harder to hit those high notes. Well, it is, of course, but uh, 
There's but as long as you still can. Well, that was a marvelous audience today. I mean, we first time we worked here in Vancouver was in what 22 years ago yeah, at the cave. At the okay, cave, yeah. and uh, we've always loved it up here. But as uh, audiences in Canada are a little more like today's audience. They were reserved, but they weren't reserved. That's right. Yeah, they I mean, were at the end of the, no, they're listening. Well, they're respectful. I think that's yeah. They, they, yeah. they yeah. came out to see you. Yeah. And they want to see you, and they want to tell you they enjoy it. Yeah. Oh, they were well, amazing. They were, I was watching it. You, the great thing about work, working during the day is normally, well, it's good news and bad news. Yes. And normally, you don't get to see the audience. I mean, they were all singing along uh, with I you. I know it. Young people were yeah. singing the words. That's what amazed me. No, it's a drag to see the audience when they don't like you. <laughs> I mean, then I you can't like, imagine you know. that with the for the show. <laughs> Where did the term blue-eyed soul get started? I've heard 80 stories. This, did a black um, group call you that? or no? I think there was a disc jockey back in uh, Baltimore. Uh, it seems like his name was Porky Chadwick. Oh, sure. Is that, was that yes, a name? that's a jack. I think it is. I think he... I think he he initially put on a little Latin loopy loo, and when he found out that we were white, he started calling us his blue-eyed soul brothers when he played the, the song. That's the first time I had ever heard the, the phrase, and, uh, and then it kind of stuck, and uh, that's as far as I know. Yeah, our second album was called uh, Some Blue-Eyed Soul, that's so right. we, didn't, we don't know if, if you know the jock started it or if they kind of picked it uh, off of... Uh, the record company picked it off of it. Yeah. How about the Righteous Brothers? Did that come from black uh, performers, or how did that? Come well, from? not black performers, but uh, we were the Paramours uh, in Southern California. There's five of us, and uh, some black Marines used to come into the club, and because Bobby and I sang uh, rhythm and blues, and uh, in those days, you know, like '61, '62, no white guys were doing it. I, I suppose a lot of the guys from the South were doing it, but not in California, yeah. and. Uh, uh, it's like it's a nice pair of slacks. He said it's a righteous, you know, pair of pants. And if they liked you as a friend, they call you a brother. So they started calling Bobby and I uh, the righteous brothers. And it stuck. Yeah, we wish they would have yelled out the Beatles or something. <laughs> Speaking of the Beatles, <laughs> oh, yeah. we won't go into all of that. But I do remember I was the MC on the show, the first North American tour here in Vancouver in 1964. And you were on the bill of the warm-up act at that time with Jackie DeShannon. But just in summing up the tour, uh, it must have been a harrowing experience. Actually, the, the West Coast wasn't bad. The West Coast, when we, uh, as far even up here as Vancouver, wasn't too bad because some of the people had heard of us then. Uh, San Diego, San Francisco, Los Angeles, Las Vegas, and even as far east as Denver. <laughs> yeah. We were okay, but once we got past... Uh, kind of like going over the cliff. Once we got, <laughs> yeah. We got past the Rockies. I mean, Moonglow Records, our initial record company, that was, they, uh, I mean, we literally physically distributed some of our records by ourselves in boxes. Yeah. So they never really were uh, what you would call a, a powerful force in the record business all ago. The guy, I'm sure, now is long retired and living uh, with a lot of money. In Hawaii. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah. by the time we got to the East Coast, the majority of those people hadn't heard Little Latin Loopy Lou. I think it only went to in the 70s of, yeah. uh, on mm -hmm. Billboard. So opening in uh, in Philadelphia and New York, uh, that, that was too. that was horrendous. So we went to Brian Epstein in New York. We said, uh, you know, we've been here, we've done our our deal, but we're 
uh, we're not really into 50,000 kids chanting, we want the Beatles while we're trying to sing the blues. Well, we're, we're real happy for the guys. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. No, I understand. And he was, and he was nice. He was, he was great. Yeah, he was he great. understood. He said, hey, I don't blame you a bit. Take off. So mm. we took off the next morning. They hired Frogman Henry. We went mm. back and did the pilot for Shindig, and it worked out real well. Legends, that's what we're all about at RedRobinson.com.